0: You are listening to For His Glory, a sermon series exploring God's grace in the book of Romans, preached by Dr. Trent Stewart. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. Awesome. Hey, it's good to see you guys. You ready for a little uh, little preaching, a little word? You ready to get into it? Why don't you grab your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 15. And uh, we're going to be there today. Two more sermons um, in the book of Romans. So kind of bittersweet for me. I've loved preaching through this book and I hope you guys have learned and grown. Uh, Don't miss the next two weeks as as we close out this series. A lot of cool things are going to take place and it ends so perfectly. So I'm excited to share that. As you guys are turning, there's a few things I do want to make sure you're aware of. First and foremost, uh, we're still hoping that you guys will get connected, get connected in a ministry, get connected in a small group and and really take initiative to do that. So keep pursuing that, keep going after that uh, until you find the right group, the right ministry. Uh, the Connect Center is there with people uh, that will walk you through that and answer questions and talk with you as you kind of figure that out. And then lastly, uh, we've made some really cool adjustments to our website and particularly to our kids' pages. So if you've got uh, preschoolers or K to fifth grades uh, uh, students that are in our little street is what we call preschool and then kid street is K to 5. I want you to go check that out. It's foothillschurch.com slash kids and uh, every series that we do there is a main idea. There's a big idea that we're trying to help uh, kids learn and then at the same time... <laughs> Uh, every month we do a, a memory verse with them, and uh, then there's all kinds of uh, questions and things uh, that we want to put in your hands as you go home that you can continue to have that conversation with your kids. And so uh, every week we give what's called a parent cue, and uh, that is, is really, hopefully you're using that to help you with those conversations, but uh, our website has even more stuff that you can use uh, and, and develop that faith and, and ask those questions and have family devotions and those kinds of things and so when we when we begin to do this then you really begin to see how uh mom and dad raising kids really uh comes into partnership with the church and so uh we're excited to partner with you and I hope that you'll use those resources in the future uh for your kids. All right, so here we go. Uh let me ask you a question. What do you think is the most important thing that you could ever offer to God? you ever thought about that? Like what gets God like jazzed up and excited and like, you know, pumped up for what his kids are doing for his glory. I mean, I I was on the soccer field yesterday watching my kids and, um, you know, every time I watch my kids play when they score a goal and they're... team does well or whatever you know you're excited you're proud you're you you know you get excited about that and so I just imagine God our our father that you know he's excited and proud of us when we do certain things and so I just wonder what those things are what what offering could we give to God that would that that, that he would be pleasing to him and so if you think about it you're probably thinking, well, if, if, you know, if I give financially, you know, that's going to please God. And so I'm giving him that offering and I give regularly. And absolutely, that's a great thing. And God's using that. And so some of you might think, well, if I just offer myself. You know, I'm just going to offer myself and just give everything that, that, that I am. I'm going to give that to God. And if you notice, every song that we sang today had this idea of surrendering everything to God. With all that we are, we want to give it to Him. And that's really where, where we stand. And, and all those are true and good things. And we probably come up with a lot of different examples of what is pleasing to God as far as an offering but I think at the end of the day, especially where we find ourselves in our passage today, there's like this overarching umbrella that is going to include anything that you might come up with today that would be a pleasing offering to God. And, and that one word is transformation. And so the idea today that I want you to grab and what I, what I want you to think through is that the greatest offering that you could ever give to God is impacting people with the gospel. I mean, it's, it's that simple. I think we're going to see today in our passage, Paul's um, ministry. Uh, Paul, remember who Paul was? He used to kill Christians and he was a pretty, pretty self-righteous bad dude. And then he accepted Christ and, and, and his life is transformed. And, 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 and so keeping all that in mind, now we see him at the end of this letter. We see him really kind of beginning to sum up the various things in his ministry as What what are the foundational principles and truths that we want to learn from him and, and like apply to our own personal lives? And I believe that we're going to see that, in fact, the greatest offering that he gave, the greatest offering that you and I can give to God is the impact that we make for the gospel in other people's lives. So we're going to see that Paul says that he's proud of the work that God has done in him. He's proud of how God has used him and him, you know, and and as a result of God working through him, he's able to invest the gospel and lives are transformed around him. And and so he's proud and, and excited about what God has done in him. So what's the greatest offering we can give? Okay, I think I've, you know, hopefully answering that, we'll continue to answer that. But secondly, when you look at your life, would you say that you're proud of the offering that you are giving to God? Are you proud of the work that God is doing in you? Now, listen, this is, we're not, you know, pride is an ugly thing. And so we're not talking about getting credit and we're not talking about, you know, you know, putting ourselves on the spotlight. What we're, what we're seeing is Paul says that he is boasting and that he is proud of the work. And so there's this idea that it's, it's good and right for us to get excited about what God is doing in us and how, how God is using us and how God is even using our church to impact other people with the gospel. And so, so that is a, a good and right thing. And so are you proud of the ministry that God is doing in your life? I hope you kind of wrestle with that. Hope you kind of keep that in your mind today as we think through it and as we look at it today. And uh, hopefully we'll begin to answer that. Let's look at chapter 15, beginning in verse 14. <clears throat> he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves Are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak. Of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Elycrium I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. All right, let me, let me unpack some of this today for you. I think we're going to see some, through his ministry, we're going to see, I think, a model for how you and I can, can impact lives around us for the gospel. If offering to God, the best offering we can give him is impacting people with the gospel, then we need to know how to do this so if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you four, uh, five things real quick today. Um, probably not real quick, but, but that's just kind of preacher lingo. So, so we're going to talk about five things today that I think are going to help us and in, in hopefully apply them to our lives. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, is that we've got to believe that we can do it. Believe that, that you can do it. Look at verse 14 again, because remember, all throughout this letter, Paul is, is, is teaching them directly where they're struggling. And so they're fighting. There's immorality in the church. There's all kinds of problems in the church. And Paul is directly speaking to these issues. He knows these people. He knows what they're struggling with. But in verse 14, he says, I myself am, am, am satisfied about you. In other words, man, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with where you're at and, and even though you've messed up and even though there's some things that are happening, you know, I, I'm satisfied with where you're at and here's, here's why. He says, my brothers, you yourselves are full of goodness, you're full of knowledge, and you're able to instruct one another. So here's the idea. When we talk about impacting people with the gospel, I would say many of you in this room check out from that statement because you think I'm not doing anything for God. You know, I I ask you, are you proud of what God is doing? Some of you in here are like, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I don't know what's what's happening. And I I don't know if this is going to help me today. Some of you think, well, I've done some things. I'd like to do more. And so really, no matter where you're at, when you answer that question, I want you to hear Paul's heart, God's heart today. And that is you can do this. You've got to believe that you can do it. He says you're full of goodness. You're full of knowledge and you're able to instruct. In other words, everyone in this room, if Jesus Christ is in your heart today, you have the ability through the Holy Spirit to impact other people with the gospel. Now, this is huge. Because some of you bring in sin and mistakes and problems, and you think, man, God can't use me. Some of you learn the easy way, some of you learn the hard way, don't you? How many of you guys would say, I'm the kind of person that learns the hard way? How many of you guys? Lots of hands. A lot of people in here. Uh, Some of you are like, I am learning the hard way, praise God, right now. Help me, Jesus. You know, I kind of had an experience last Sunday want to share real quickly. I, I was on my way to church, so I was getting ready. It's about 6 30 in the morning. Stop by Starbucks, get my double vanilla latte, by the way. And so I'm in line. And so I'm not a, a texting driver. I mean, not to say that I've never done that, but I, I, I don't want to do that. It's very dangerous. You know, teenagers, it's very dangerous. We don't want to do that. And so I'm in, in the drive through at Starbucks. And so I'm not driving. So I pull out my phone while I'm waiting and I start to text and I I was texting my wife, I forgot something and then a song came on the radio. So I was Shazamming a song and I'm doing all this. Meanwhile, it's still dark and the dude in front of me, like his lights, brake lights chains and he rolls forward. And of course my peripheral vision, I'm a point guard. So I have good peripheral vision while I'm texting and Shazamming. And so I begin to pull forward and then boom, I ran into the guy in the drive-through of Starbucks. I was so mad. I was like, I can't believe I just did that. I'm on my way to church. I'm going to be late. So we pull up, and we get out and I'm looking, and it's still kind of dark. And I'm looking at the back of the car and I'm like, oh man, there's just like a speck. You know, there's just like a barely little deal. So I get out of the car and I'm thinking, well, maybe he's on his way to church, you know. And so he gets out of the car and he's kind of dressed nice. So I'm thinking brother, fellow brother, in the name of the Jesus, I greet you. You know, I'm like, hey, let's show grace to each other. You know, praise God. And I was like, man, you're on your way to church like me? And he was like, no, I'm taking my wife to work. And I'm like, oh, you know, that one is not going to work for me here. So, so we start to talk and he gets my info and all that route. So, you know, he didn't, he never turned it in. So pray for me on that. So that doesn't show up. But, and then this is like, has nothing to do with it, but I pull in today because that's kind of my routine. And guess who pulls in behind me? I promise you it was him. And I was like, you know, (laughs) I don't want you to remember me. Forget me. But again, I think, you know, sometimes I have to learn the hard way. But that's a good little lesson for me. You know, I put my phone in the glove box. I don't want to look at it when I'm driving because I don't want that to be a temptation. But some of us learn the hard way and some of us learn the easy way. Some of us don't learn at all. I used to coach basketball. I've coached my kids. I've coached uh, high school. And, and there was always kids on the team that, you know, you would tell them what to do and they would go out on the court and they would do it. You know, they would give their heart to you and you would love those kids. And there was those kids that, you know, heard what you said, but then they kind of wanted to score more points or they kind of wanted to do some stuff a little bit differently, you know. And then it wasn't until, you know, they failed or they, you know, something bad happened and, and until they began to learn. And if they still didn't learn, then they found a nice, you know, warm, comfy seat beside me on the bench but they had to kind of learn the hard way and and so Paul says here what I think is very interesting in verse 15 he says but on some points I have written to you very boldly you know in other words I have I've come to you I've come at you pretty hard with this stuff I mean this is hard truth I mean all the way back to Romans 1 there are some very controversial very in-your-face biblical truth here And for some of us, as we've moved through it, it's kind of like, oh man, I I like it, but I don't know if I can really digest that. And, and man, I know it's true, but I don't know if I can really, really accept it. And so we have this kind of, you know, issue where we're learning hard stuff. And so the temptation is to hold up your hands and say, I I can't get it. I don't want to do it or, or, or I don't want to hear it. Some of you are like, you, you're not teachable. You don't want to hear that there's a better way because your way is the only way, you know? The, the, the people that learn the hard way usually got away. I do it this way. I don't want to hear what your opinion is because this is my way. And, and so, so w- with that mentality, we come to the church, we come to biblical truth. And sometimes we just hold our hands up and our heart becomes hard. And we don't want to hear what the truth is. We want to learn. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Some of us don't learn at all. You're like the, you're like the guy who was golfing with his wife. And um, he, he was on the eighth hole. It was a par four. And he he tees off and he hooks one into the woods. And he's about to chip out back into the fairway uh, when his wife says, wait, 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 wait. Before you hit that, the only thing in between you and the green is that barn. And if you let me open up the front door and the back door, I think that you could hit it through the barn and go right onto the green. So he says, all right, I'm going to try it. So he he gets his three iron out and he just whacks that thing and it goes through the first door and then it ricochets off the barn wall and it hits his wife in between the eyes and kills her instantly. This is a true story, by the way. I'm just kidding. The next year, that same man on that same course, hole number eight, par four, he hooks one into the woods again. He's about to chip out into the fairway. And his friend that he was golfing with, his buddy, says, wait, 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 I believe that the only thing in between you and the green is that barn. And if you let me open up the front door and the back door, I think you're going to be able to hit it right to the green. And he says, oh, no, I'm not going to do that again. Last time I tried that, I got a seven. <laughs> wait for it. <laughs> wait for it. <laughs> because, yeah, part four and yeah. Uh, he didn't learn what he should have learned with the whole wife dying thing anyway it went over better in the first service (laughs) so some of us learn easy some of us learn the hard way and some of us you know don't learn at all but i think paul's point here is that there's some hard truth that you need to hear that's why we go to god's word there's some hard truth that i need to hear so let me ask you this before we move on to point number two what is your response to the hard truth that people are speaking to you today are you the build the wall up? I don't want to hear a person. This is my way. I'm just fine. Or are you receiving this hard truth? You know, how, how are you receiving the preaching of God's word? Are you open, taking notes, want to hear, want to learn? Or are you just kind of crossed and you're, you know, whatever, dude. See, I, I think how we receive the truth um, says a lot about who we are. And so I believe his point here would be for us to hear it and, 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 and respond to it and believe that we can do uh, what he has done and believe what we can do what God is calling each of us to do uh, as far as impacting people with the gospel. Number two, not only do we have to believe that we can do it, but the goal in ministry is transformed lives. That's huge. Look at verse 16 again. This is, this is what Paul is telling us. To be a minister of the gospel, uh, sorry, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So see, see the goal here is, 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 in our ministry, is transformed lives. For, for Paul, his offering of taking the gospel to Gentiles, those who have never heard about Christ, his offering to God is the fact that he went, he trained, he preached, he invested, he impacted their life with the gospel so that they would be accepted by God. Now you're not accepted by God unless you have received Christ into your life. No amount of good work or church attendance is ever going to make you acceptable to God apart from the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and receiving him into our life. That makes them acceptable here. So his first and foremost goal is that he would go to the Gentiles and that they would, they would understand Jesus, accept him by faith, and become a child of God and then he says sanctified by the holy spirit. So it's not only that I want them to, you know, get heaven and get Jesus. I want them to be sanctified. In other words, I want them to grow in their faith. I want them to continue to be on this journey where they rid themselves of sin. So every week I'm I'm fighting against that old sin and I'm praying through it and I'm, I'm 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 putting it behind me and I'm repenting and turning away through the holy spirit. He wants them to be sanctified. You see, the goal is transformation. The offering of of, of a transformed life is what we should be in pursuit of. Transformation in our own life, in my life, and transformation in those lives, in this room and in this community. Look again at verse 18. He says, I'll not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. So again, his goal is transformation. The only way that you obey God's word is when you are being transformed by the Spirit. I mean, you're not gonna, you know, love your neighbor unless, you know, God is transforming your heart and you are changing and you are overcoming sin. You begin to understand what that means. So his point here and his goal is transformation. Our goal here at Fiddles Church is not to see how big of a church we can get. Our goal is not to see how big or how many buildings we can build. That is not the point at all. The point for us is to see God transform lives. And so if that means that we have to renovate a bowling alley and, and, and have a room so that more people can experience God's love and, and hear God's word and, and, then, and then put those people in ministry and, and give them opportunities to serve and get them in small groups so that they can, can you, that's what we're gonna do. I mean, renovating this facility is not about having a nice place. It's about having an an opportunity for people to come and experience the life-transforming power of the Spirit. That is what wakes me up every day, seeing lives transformed. And I believe that's what Paul's heart is all about, transformation. Number three, your significance is grounded in God's grace. Look at verse 15 again. He says, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. In other words, I love that. It's like, you guys probably know this stuff. It's not that you don't know it. You just need to be reminded of the hard truth, right? He says, because of the grace given to me by God. So the grace given to him has been used and applied in such a way that now he is, he is blessing other people. You see, your significance is found in the grace of God, not, not in the amount of success you think that you are achieving in life. You see, the, one of the issues in our culture is that people chase success, and, and you have a vision for what success looks like in your mind. That's why maybe you got married and you had kids, and that's maybe why you're pursuing this job, and, and it's why you're trying to save money, and it's why you want to buy nice things or, or buy a bigger house or bigger whatever— Because we like to chase this concept of success, but I'm here to tell you that once you have tasted significance, success will never satisfy. Some of you have run that rat race. You You've run the right race of success and you're trying to you know get get paid and and get this and get this and have stuff and and every night you go to bed and and, and your heart's wound up because that's all you want and think about is is getting this stuff because in your mind you've got to get this you know whatever achieve this whatever to feel successful but i'm i'm telling you your significance is found in God's grace so that Jesus tells us who we are. And we find our identity in in Jesus, not in what the world says success is. We find it in what Jesus says significance is. And and significance is is far greater than any any vision of success that you have for yourself. Matter of fact, your vision of what you think success is doesn't even hold a candle to what God wants you to accomplish through his grace. You see we come into the church and we think ah oh, yeah Trent sounds great I want to do you know something great for God but I still have this sin and I still have this stuff and I still have all these all this stuff holding me back and I just want to tell you God is not like Shaquille O'Neal I'm just gonna just gonna tell you that um of you guys are excited about the NBA starting back anybody okay oh, thank you so we're not a basketball crowd. That's weird because that's like what I only watch. So um, <clears throat> we got the NBA channel. So I'm really excited. And, and Micah is not so excited about that. But um, we're watching, I'm, I'm watching games. I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. And so there's this show that Shaq is on and uh, Shaquille O'Neal is a basketball player. I guess I better say that based on the, the, the hands that didn't fly in the room. And um, <clears throat> so he does this thing called Shacked and a Fool. You guys seen that? So what he does is all the horrible like bloopers and bad plays of the week, he shows on his program. And so it's like making fun of everybody that does a bad play. And so it's shacked to Full. And so at the end of the year, he does the top 50, you know, shacked in the Full plays. So it's hilarious. And I love watching it. But I say that because I'm glad that's not how God operates. Like every boneheaded, stupid thing that I ever do, God's not at the end of the year coming up in, you know, almost to January, only a couple more months left in this year and and he's going to show the highlight reel of all the idiotic, dumb things that Trent did again. You know, he's going to play them through my mind. It's like, thank you that God does not work like that. As a matter of fact, the same play reel of the dumb choice or the bad thing that happened in your life that you allow to run through your mind is not God pushing play. And it's not the devil pushing play either. The devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know your thoughts. Can't make you think something. That That would... uh, that would make him equal to God. He can't do that. What he can do is, you know, through TV and, and through, you know, advertisements, billboards, whatever else that you want to see or watch on TV or music that you might allow yourself to hear. Those are the things that prompt that old dark memory in your mind. And you begin to play that blooper reel or that, you know, bonehead reel, or maybe it was something that not necessarily that you did, but some, something that happened to you. And you start replaying that over, and you're like, "Listen, that is not God. God does not keep any record of wrong. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13? We love to read it at weddings, and then we don't like go to it anymore. But, but yeah, I mean, love for each other is where we want to be there, too. But I mean, love is, God is love. And God's love for you is, is 1 Corinthians 13. That's how he relates to you. Don't, don't forget that. That's not just a marriage, you know, passage. That is how God relates to us. And 1 Corinthians 13 says that God keeps no love, keeps no record of wrong. So when we confess our sin, you know, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin. He's not playing the highlight reel. That's you pushing play. So you've got to rid yourself of that. You've got to, you've got to train your mind and, and, and conform your mind to the image of Christ to transform your mind as Romans says to, to the way that the scripture would have us think and believe about ourselves, and not allow yourself to go to those dark places understanding that, that our significance is grounded in God's grace, not in the mistakes that you have made or been a part of in your life. Thank God he'd only, he, he doesn't just use perfect people. I mean, if God was only in the business of using perfect people, nothing would get done, would it? Because there are none. I mean, every dumb thing that I've ever done, every, you know, every time I've embarrassed myself, every time I've failed, any time I've, I've lost my cool, any time I've missed the mark here, God still says, Trent, I'm still going to use you. I'm going to use you in spite of your sin, in spite of your past. So we got to go back to, to this idea of significance and, and the fact that you can do this and that I hope that your heart is for this and that you want to pursue what God is doing in your life so that you can get on board with what he's doing and not miss it any longer and not be distracted any longer. Your significance is grounded in God's grace. Number four, we've got to realize that transformation only happens through God's power. I mean, can we just, can we just, you know, understand that transformation is only happening through God's power. In verse 18, it says what Christ has accomplished through me, so he's proud of what Christ has accomplished through him. Pride is a is, is a very evil thing, and so we're not gonna we're not gonna like see our church grow or or see our small group do some cool things or because you shared your faith or something and someone accepted Christ. We're not gonna look at that and say, look at what I did, man. I really I really had some cool scripture and I just memorized and I was knocking out of the park and I had that illustration. It's like, no. Anytime someone's life is transformed, it is God's Spirit through us that is doing that transformation. We don't take credit for that. Verse 19 says, by the power of signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. These things are happening in his ministry because of the power of God working through him. And listen, God's power wants to work through you. We see a lot of manipulation in churches um, we see a lot of fabrication of God's power really in churches and you got to be careful. I mean, honestly, there's, there's a lot of emotionalism. There's a lot of, you know, let's just cry a lot and have loud and do this and, and everybody gets, you know, emotional and, 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 and loud and then we're smacking people in the head and they're falling down shaking. It's like, you know, what is going on here? And, 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 and there's a lot of fabrication of God is moving lot of fabrication. And so you, you want to have right theology as you look at these. And you don't want to, you know, go to the other side that, that ignores the Spirit's power. Like, oh hey, we're just going to church and like nothing's going to happen. I'm not going to get anything. I'm just going to kind of sit here and just kind of endure this. You know, it's because what we do is what my wife wants or whatever. You know, and so we just negate or ignore God's power. Like he's, he's going to do something unique. Like we, we don't ever, some, you know, on that side it was, we don't expect revival. We don't expect God's power to really show up and, and transform people and change people. And, I, and I'm, I'm just telling you that, that if you want to see God move and, and if, if, you're, you know, if you really want to know if God's working in a church, just look for transformation. See if, if there's any transformation taking place. And I'm not just talking about cool testimony, walk out the doors and different story. I'm talking about a true transformation in someone's life. If you're seeing that, only God is doing that. Now we could talk about this for days, about what God is doing and has done and people's lives that have been transformed in our church. I, I think about the young kid that started coming when he was young and didn't care about God. His dad never comes to church, but his mom started bringing him. And um, I, I remember sharing the gospel with him, you know, a couple of times. And it's kind of like talking to a brick wall and kind of looking right through me. It's like, all right, all right. And, you know, a little bit of time passed. He built some relationships. And, and the next thing you know, he's open. And then all of a sudden, one day, he accepts Christ and his life is completely transformed. And to the point now, as he's, he's older, uh, even considering ministry. I can tell you about the the couple who was on the verge of divorce pretty much their entire marriage and they they underst- they, they heard about the marriage conference that we were going to do and so they decided you know what here's one last effort one last ditch effort you know we'll try this out and so they came and as a result of that conference they took divorce off the table and as they began to plug in and get under God's word their life began to be transformed to where now they're not just enduring a marriage, but they are in love and God has changed them. I could tell you about uh, the guy that, <clears throat> you know, by all intensive purposes was living the American dream had everything resource wise that you could imagine. But, but he started coming to church and God started working on his heart and he began to realize that he was very discontent with where he was at in his life. And, and God began to work on him in such a way that he said, you know what? This is not what God wants me to do. And he left it all. All, everything that everybody in the world says, this is what I want. He's like, you know, this is not what I want. This is not what God wants. He left it completely transformed and God's calling him into ministry. And he's, he's, everything about him has changed. I can tell you about the, the young woman who um, became pregnant by her boyfriend and her boyfriend talked her into having an abortion. And uh, a little bit later they decided to get married, but Um, you know, as, as, you know, some things in life tend to work out, they decided to get a divorce. And so uh, broken, ashamed, and living a life of secrecy, she starts coming to Foothills Church. And over the course of time, God begins to unveil little pieces of her heart and little pieces that are blocking her from what God truly wants to do in her life. And one thing led to another. And today, not only is she, you know, relieved and forgiven and has, has put that shame game down, now she's using her story to help women who were in her exact shoes. That is transformation. I can't fabricate that. I can't make that up. I can't, I can't come up with a good illustration to make that stuff happen. It happens because the spirit of God is in this place. And so if you and I will come to a point in our life where we will not only understand that we can do this and, and not only understand that, that it, 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 it's transformation, that is the goal, but we can also come to the point where we can say that it's because of God's power that this has taken place. And so some of you are in here and you're like, it can't happen to me. And I'm here to tell you it can. And if you hang out and you're willing, it will. Finally, number five, we've got to be willing to go where no one else has gone and do what no one else has done. Let's look at this last verse. Verse 20, he says, and thus I make it my ambition. I love that word. Sometimes we see the word ambition and we, we kind of connect it to a guy that's ambitious to take over a company or to start a company or he's ambitious. You know, you, you think of like in the, you know, uh, king days when someone's ambition is to take over the throne or whatever. Paul says, I make it my ambition. It's my goal. It's what I think about. It's, it's what I do. It's what I live for. It's what I'm uh, I, my, my burden in this world. It's this is what my ambition in life is. He says it's to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. Paul's mission, what his passion was, was to go to areas and cities and countries that had never heard the gospel before. There was no church to to go partner with. He liked just to bust down the doors of the city and start preaching Jesus. And so he was willing to go to jail, to prison, to get beat up for it. He didn't care because his life's ambition and goal. And listen, get this. He knew that the best offering that he could give to God was making an impact for the gospel in someone's life. And so he was willing to go where no one one else was going and, and do things that no one else was doing. Now. You know, when we go to Africa in the next year, you might be on board and you want to say, you know what, I want to go and I'll go to the tribes and I'll go wherever where Christ has not been preached because you're a pioneer, you're a risk taker and that's, that's, what you, that's who you are. And some of you are a little bit safer and I'm not going there, you know, but are you willing to go somewhere in this city and no one else, where no one else is going and do something that, that no one else is doing for the gospel? Are you willing to do that? a good question. I believe Paul's ministry is an example for us that we can't be tied to tradition. We can't be tied down to church as usual. We can't be tied down to this is how we've always done it. We have to open up, get get the blinders, open up our eyes and see that this generation that's growing up right now, the millennials, are far different than us. They're far different than you. And what might've worked back in the 80s is not gonna work in the year 2013, 14, and 15. And so we can die on this hill of tradition or we can say, you know what? Let's do something nobody else is doing. I mean, let's get creative here. Let's go somewhere nobody else has gone and take the gospel. And let's, let's depend on Jesus to do something because I'm not going to take the credit when it happens. And when revival breaks out in this church and in this city, it's not because of, of, of me or it's not because of you. It's because of the spirit is going to move. And I believe that he's going to. And I believe that he is in many ways today. So we've got to believe we can do it understand our goal is transform lives. Our significance is grounded in God's grace. Transformation is what we're going after here and it happens through God's power. And we want to be willing to go where no one else has gone and do things no one else is willing to do. And I want to invite you to join us. I want to invite you to let go of your priority list and take on God's priority list. I want to invite you to let go of your hopes and dreams and take hold of God's dream for your life. I promise you this, that your, your idea of success doesn't hold a candle to what God wants to do in your life. Leave behind your past and that sin that continues to replay in your mind and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm full of goodness, I'm full of knowledge and I can help somebody grow. And I can believe that through the Holy Spirit, here's, here's why, here's why God uses imperfect people because it's not about you. If God is the one that's changing lives, you're just the vessel, It doesn't matter, you know, my sin is in the past, and as I still struggle, I'm struggling, and I'm repenting, but just because I'm still dealing with stuff doesn't mean that I'm not called to preach. God has called me, and I've got to go, and God has called you, and for some of you, you've got to realize what it is that's stopping you. I'm going to close today, and the band is going to lead us in a song that I hope will help you think through this, and The song is called Let Go because there are many of you in this room that are holding on to something that is keeping you from the very thing that God is calling you to do. You're holding on to pride. You're holding on to sin. You're holding on to wrong priorities. You're holding on to your idea of success. And I believe you're here today because God wants to tell you what it is to let go of. I don't know what that is for you and I can't convince you of that. But if you'll ask the Lord, I believe he'll begin to reveal it. I want to ask you to bow your heads. The song, the, the lyrics of this song, I love it. It says, God, your love is better than anything that this world has to offer. It's better than anything this world has to give. So I let go and I leave it all behind. I let go and I'm taking up your life. Offer your name even if it costs me everything. I just wonder today if you would be willing to ask the Lord what it is that you need to let go of. What is it in your life that's keeping you from experiencing the life God is calling you to lead, to live? If the greatest offering that we can give to our Creator is impacting people with the gospel. What are you doing to give him that? What are you doing to see that take place in this city, in this world? I believe that God has huge, huge plans for this church and for you. I believe that he's gonna transform your heart and your life, but it starts with a willingness to humble yourself before him And follow and trust Him in His plan, not your plan. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.